I had such a long time to prepare for this morning that I have no idea which way to go right now. <laughs> Say, Holy Spirit, <laughs> you're welcome here this morning. We're counting on you this morning. And we say, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's like, um, I really feel like we're talking this morning about intentionality, you know, how intentional we need to be. There, there are so many things. When I think about, man, it's like, I'm really glad that I am now 71 years old and I've learned a few things, a few things. And some of that is like, you know, even like as I think of Jesus. Jesus had a really short stay here on earth, right? It's like, man, just 30, 30 few years, 30 few years. And, and, and he had to be so intentional, and he is, our, he is our guide. He's our direction. He was our example here on, on earth. And, and he came and had to accomplish so much in such a short time that everything he did had to be intentional, didn't it? When you just think about that, it's like, wow, this thing, his thoughts were intentional, his actions were intentional, the words that came out of his mouth were intentional. He was building a kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand, and he was building a church. And I was like, wow, you know, when, when I start thinking about my life, I, I was created for a purpose. Everybody say with me, I was created with a purpose and for a purpose. Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, yes, you were. A high five even maybe, you know. It's like we were created for a purpose and, and God wants us as quickly as possible to start becoming intentionally focused on that purpose. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. Like, man, it took me a long time to figure that out, but... It's become even more and more real, the intentionality that's expected of us to be stepping into and walking in our purpose. Yeah, that's what I said. Wow. <laughs> okay. It's like, man, why did it take me so long to figure that out? But, you know, I, I want to... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a little, an interesting direction here. Do you have that, that picture? Did, were you able to get that picture, Karen? <laughs> Anybody recognize that guy? Yeah, how many people recognize that guy? Oh, so we have a handful of basketball fans in here, a big handful of basketball fans. But you know that we have an enemy that's been very intentional, too, and can be focused on us and distracting us from our purpose. All right, I'm going I'm to say that again. We definitely all have an enemy, right? We recognize we have an enemy, and that enemy is in our lives to distract, to confuse, to disarm, to, yeah, basically kill, steal, and destroy kill, steal, and destroy, but through whatever means that he can. And so oftentimes, it's to be distracted from our purpose for the plan that God has for us. And, and when I look at this guy, I, you know, I couldn't stand him. But I was absolutely, 
I was absolutely amazed and amused to end up watching him. It, it irritated me. It made me mad. And uh, I was, <laughs> yeah, thing of beauty, isn't he? It's like, would that not be a distraction if you saw it? It's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was, so as I was thinking about his life and, and, and his career and how his coach oftentimes used him, and it was to end up being an incredible distraction, he was undoubtedly the most successful, most famous rebounder. But what, to me, what, what stood out from Dennis Rodman in his NBA career was how when he played defense, how incredibly effective he was with so many stars, the basketball stars, because he would get in their head and just distract them. I mean, you look at somebody with orange hair that comes out there and tattoos everywhere, and, uh, and he's going to be right in your face guarding you. That's enough of a distraction right off, isn't it? Tammy is so cool. <laughs> like, we talk about distractions. Oh, my goodness. It is so good. To Would you just stand up for a second? Man. Wow. 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 Tammy Shoemaker, wow. Oh, and that guy that hangs out with you right there, too. It's like, man, so good to have you, too. Like, I had no idea you guys were coming. I just have been asking, when, when, when are they going to be back? So it's okay for, obviously, it's okay for you to be in the middle of a crowd because you are surrounded right now by people that love you and honor you and have prayed for you. What an incredible praise report sitting right here in our midst. Wow. I'll get back on track here in a second, but it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like switching gears just a little bit. You know, uh, you probably about now, according to the forecast, what the doctor said should be maybe receiving, finding that new liver to be transplanted, and instead of just now still being in Salt Lake, ready for a surgery, you are back. <laughs> transplanted and well. Praise God. Father, we... Let's just pray together. Everybody just extend their hands towards this couple right here, right now. Father God, I, I, I thank you. I just thank you for this amazing shoemaker family right here, this couple. I just pray that your, your anointing, your protection, your favor, and your healing, your complete healing and over, over them, over her, over them, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We just give you thanks and we just give you praise and we bless your holy name. Amen. Favor, protection, favor, protection. Um, okay, I was talking about basketball. Basketball and shoemakers. <laughs> 
Dennis Rodman, you know, everybody knows Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. I was just studying some of the, of, the, of the players that were absolute all-stars that made their mark that, that played against Rodman, that, that, that Dennis ended up guarding these guys and got into their heads so bad that he distracted them enough that, that their games just went to pieces. And Shaq was one of those guys. When he was in the height of his glory, just amazing, amazing, ruled the court. And uh, <laughs> he played a game, and, and there were th- playing the Bulls and the Lakers when Shaq was on the Lakers. And I was watching some of the highlights of that, going back, and it's like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. He had three defenders in the first half that played against Shaq. And he scored 24 points in the first half against those three defenders. In the second half, Dennis Rodman went in to be, who was, what, six inches shorter, 60, 70 pounds lighter, and he shut the shack down. I think he took three shots that whole half and was just completely shut down. It's like... 24 points in the first half, shut down in the second half because Rodman got in there with such a distraction, got so bad into his head that Shaq was unable to fulfill his purpose, and that was to be the scoring machine, the maniac that scored. And they lost because of the incredible distraction and, and, and what, what Dennis Rodman was able to do to his opponent. Isn't that kind of crazy? You know, I was thinking uh, myself, I would have had so much problem trying to get on top of my anger, my emotions when I was younger. Ended up sometimes spending a good part of a game, and I loved the game of basketball, and I played a lot of it. But if somebody did start to do that to me, they, it would work really well. They could get into my head. They could get me so mad that I would be focusing on getting even for a while rather than it's like, I don't care about how many points I score right now. You know what? I owe you one. I owe you two. I owe you three now. And before the end of the game, it's going to be even. You know, so it's like, oh, that, and I'm going to use that as an excuse that's keeping me from ever being a very good athlete. (laughs) How's that? But when I think of that distraction and that desire to get even, makes me then think of, you know, what, what the word God tells us, that when we submit ourselves to him, one of the very first things that he's asking and requiring of us is forgiveness. That we have been forgiven, it's time for us to forgive and when I think, it's like, oh, wow, that so didn't work for me very well early, early on because my thoughts were, hey, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, dude, <laughs> and I'm taking a tooth. <laughs> I can remember, I'm just throwing a few things out, where there's somebody that has done something that I'm going to get even with in the game and I will look at them, watch them, run down, back down the court with them the other direction 
We're, we're, we're running back. Watch very carefully. And in stride, kick their back foot into their back leg and then fall down with them so it looked like it was absolutely we both tripped. But if it's at all possible, fall on top of them when we go down together. It's like, <laughs> I'll teach you. It's like just a little peek into the old Lynn Hardy. Um, so I, I think, you know, when it's like getting even as we are forgiven, as we are called, as we are moving into our purpose that we were created for, doesn't mean we end up getting even, means coming down to the level of the person or lowering ourselves to the place that now we are even, where God is calling us to always take the high road where we're staying above, not beneath. We are the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. So when we take the high road, we're the one that stay in control, in control of our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and able to stay in a place, in a position to be able to forgive and have allowance for some of the things that have happened to us that we feel were so egregious, that we're so like, oh, I should, I could, you deserve, but no, no. I'm called to forgive. I have a plan and a purpose for my life. I have to be intentional in what I do. I have to be intentional in what I think because I want to hear <clears throat> I want to hear the voice of God and I can't be having a bunch of obstruction in there, a bunch of nasty thoughts towards somebody who's done something to hurt me, to anger me, to make me mad, to frustrate me. It's like, I have to be quick to forgive so I have clean hands and a pure heart and a mind that's in the right place to be able to hear and receive. So there is nothing that will block, nothing that will stop me from clearly hearing the voice of God. Because unforgiveness is one of those, I will never forget Pastor Matthew, he always sits just about where he's at and has for years now. A young man standing right there and Colleen, Pastor Lynn, come over here. Standing there praying for a young man for healing and I really felt that God wanted to heal this this young man, he'd been run over by his own truck, his own pickup, broke all kinds of bones, surgeries and stuff, and, and one side, uh, one arm didn't work, one side of his body didn't really work well after the surgeries because of nerve damage and stuff, and so he couldn't lift his left hand. And we started to pray for him, Matthew and I started to pray for him right there, and I saw a vision of something. I've shared this one time before, so... Uh, those that have heard it, I'm sorry. 
pretend like you didn't. So we began to pray for him, and I, I, I caught a quick vision of something like when you stick your glass to fill it up with water or Coke or whatever you're putting in your glass, and there's a lid on it, and, and it's coming out and just splashing all over the place instead of going into the container. You remember this, don't you, Pat? Pastor Matthew? Yeah, and, oh, I'm sure you do. This was amazing. And I said, I believe that God wants to heal you, but there's something that's blocking the healing. It's blocking the flow right now. And I said, I, I, I see this. And I said, well, I believe that there's probably somebody that it's unforgiveness, that there's probably unforgiveness in your heart, somebody that you need to forgive. I said, so is this the case? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? And he said, yep. It's like, oh, well, this is simple. He's shown us, shown me, so we're going to pray that way. So you just, let's do this forgiveness thing. And he said, so who is it? And he said, my mom. And I said, oh, well, okay, well, let's forgive her. I can't, like, what? You have healing that's ready to happen here. God, I believe he wants to heal you, and you can't. No. Well, let's try again. What did this, let's take it, 20 minutes or so of working through that, that finally to get him to a place to forgive his mother and, and walking through. He's like, well, she abandoned me. She gave me up for another guy. She chose a guy and, and, and left me. And I was by myself. And I ended up having to go be in foster home and then live with my grandparents and, you know, through the whole scenario. And when Casey finally forgave his mother through the snot and the tears and, and all, when we finally got there, he got completely healed, and I think we got ended up with a picture of getting a high five out of the side of the, that did not work, gave me a high five with a picture right there, where God completely healed him after, so I'll say when, when, when we have, as all of us do have, a purpose for our life, and we want to clearly hear what God has to say, then we need to end up having that block of unforgiveness taken away. All right? Makes sense. And, yeah, sometimes... Not sometimes, it is a process. It's a process. It's not something that you necessarily just do and it's all over because it's going to come back, come back into your mind. But that's when your renewed mind is capable of continuing to forgive. Does this make sense? It's like we have to continue that process when that comes back to us, when we think about it. I've shared before a couple different things where I got really cheated out of a piece of property that I used to own and tricked and cheated. And every time I would drive by it, it was really close by here. Every time I would drive by it, I would, oh, I can't believe he did that to me. That makes me so angry. It's like, stop it. Get over it. 
get over it, Lynn. You need to hear the voice of God really clearly. You cannot have unforgiveness in your head. You know, it's amazing how, I want to talk about this just a little bit more. It's amazing how that can end up taking over so much of your, of your thought process and you don't even realize that you're giving so much of that head space, that space inside your head to somebody else. You're giving them control over a whole lot of your thought, your energy, your well-being, your health. It's like Casey by holding that. Because when, when, when <laughs> something triggers and makes you think of that person and you go back into the, you relive some of the nonsense, some of the things that happened. And well, if I would have, I could, you know what I should have done? I should have just his, kicked his leg and, and then kicked him while he was down. It's like, you know, it's like, I can't believe. We about had enough on that. That's pretty clear that we need to be clear Clear mind, clear heart, clear spirit, clean hands and a pure heart. The forgiveness is done. Anybody going to need to work through some of that a little bit later this afternoon? I saw one hand, one hand go up. I saw that hand. Is there another? I saw another hand go up. It's like, it's like you know, I really do believe that it's something that is way, way bigger then, we, I mean, we can joke about it, we can laugh about it, and we can say, oh, yeah, you know, that's already taken care of. I forgave. This happened to me, but I forgave. I forgave. But I can tell you what, if it's still, still taking up space in your head and you still think about it and you still have to process it, then you still have some forgiveness to work through. All right. So becoming intentional, it's like, what does becoming intentional mean? When, when I was a young man, trying to figure out what it would be like to be a business owner. I actually was self-employed from the time I was 20, working, partnering with my father, who actually, you know, was teaching me along the whole time, but working towards owning that business and the steps that I need to take to be making myself ready to be a, a business owner, to be the one who is completely in control. Well, there's some steps that I need to take. I, I, I need to, some things that I need to learn that I need to be intentional about so I can be successful in running that business, right? Some study that we have to do. A little, you know, there's some things that I'm going to have to get better at that I'm going to have to learn, and there are going to be some leadership skills that I'm going to need to, to work on a little bit because if I'm going to have to be getting even with my employees all the time, you know, <laughs> no. So I, I think, okay, I need to be proactive there. You know what, when as young men and women, one of the things that I had spoken with my daughter about for since she was about 12, 13 years old, is preparing herself for marriage. It's like, okay, one of the things that I want you to begin doing is making for yourself 
a list of what you believe are going to be the really important things in your husband, what you want in a husband. And so she started doing that. And as she got older, the list you know, changed and modified just a little bit. And then along came Ryan. But there really was intentionality and, and, and a reality to that is she was preparing and knowing what marriage was going to be like, what ministry was going to be like, what her future, what God had for her future, and that the, the husband that she had would be someone that would fit into the plans God had for her future. Does this make sense? And Ryan was looking for the same kind of thing. Is that not right? Thank you for that. Good call. (laughs) I love that guy. I love that. Thank you, Drew. And mom and dad. Yeah, you raised an amazing young man there. Who was very, and still is, very intentional with, I mean, from his job, his work, his ministry, and those two, there's a great deal of intentionality in what they do for the money that they put away for their future, the things that they're doing for the Lord, the things they're doing in preparation for in the next 10 years when they begin to have children. (laughs) That will be within the next 10 years. Okay, a couple, couple. No pressure, no pressure, no pressure. I, uh, I have ten grandkids and four great-grandkids. I'm not in a big hurry. Now, it's going to be amazing. It will be amazing. So I'm really excited for that as they prefer. Intentionality. It's like, okay, when you're ready to get married, what, what does it mean to be a husband? What does it mean to be... A wife, what is it future? I, I, I'm thinking of things that, um, even to teach right now to some of the young people that are here, that are thinking about getting married. It's like, I, I, I have done a study and I've done a lot of premarital counseling and, and, and a lot of marriages. And one of the things, two of the, one of the top two, top three things in most women's needs, when you read the book, His Needs, Her Needs, it's like a woman needs security. Does everybody agree with that? Security is one of the top, top things in, in, in a woman's need list is security. So, okay, then what I'm going to need to do is begin to think of what it's going to be like to own a house. I'm going to be making house payments. How much is, is a house going to cost? Do I have a down payment? What, what is it going to cost to, make, uh, to be able to buy a house? And are we planning that I would be the sole breadwinner, or are we both going to be working? Are we going to have a babysitter? We, you know, and so, so both people can work. How many children do we want to have and when do we want to start having children? You know, intentionality to the planning for what God has for you in your life. Does this make sense to everybody? Okay. It's important that we 
think through some of these things instead of just stumble our way through and try to fix it as we go. Everybody that's married agree? <laughs> Would it not have been good? Okay, we're going to, uh, going to turn to... Romans 5. Yeah, I think that's the direction that we have time to go right now. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. And perseverance, character... Can we back up just a little bit? Okay, I'll have it in my Bible here. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. You know, I went to, uh, about a month ago, I discovered after we put a bigger screen up there and I started looking at that and it was a little blurry and I had to start doing this kind of thing. I have glasses coming, so here in about three weeks... You're going to be seeing me wear glasses up here. It's like, like no, no, no. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 4. We'll start with verse 3. And I'm going to be reading instead of what I... I'm going to throw you a real curve up there, Karen. So we probably will just be listening to me read for here just a little bit here because I am reading out of the Passion Translation, which I didn't tell you, so I apologize for that. Well, we're going to start with verse 1. <laughs> Keep you bouncing up there. Chapter 5, verse 1, Passion Translation. <laughs> Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Mm, that's beautiful, isn't it? This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness. What guarantees us access? Our faith. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. How many of us have a perfect relationship with God? All right, there is five of us in here. So you do not believe that through faith, by his grace, in believing in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he died for our sins, that our sins have been forgiven, that that puts us in right standing with God, giving us a perfect relationship with him? We do believe it or we don't? Just say, I believe. I believe. All right. Now, we've been put in that place of a perfect relationship, and it's up to us to maintain and build that relationship. 
What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Wow, was that beautiful? That just that makes you feel just a little better all over, doesn't it? No? Yeah. Yeah. I like to read just that last part again, the and this hope. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy. It's like, no, this is not a fantasy. There's nothing disappointing about this because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, we know that when Jesus was baptized, Holy Spirit came upon him, that the Spirit then led him into the wilderness to be tested. Right? Right? Yes. That Jesus was tested. And that once he passed the test and came back, then he was definitely put to work. He started doing miracles. He started gathering disciples. He started building his church. Once he passed the test. It's like, you know, we need to end up having our character developed. And that requires some living and some trials, some tribulation, some testing, some pressure. How many people do we have here that are over 50? Oh, hey, there was a lot more hands than felt like they were righteous. Or <laughs> that's, that's probably about 40%. Not quite half, but somewhere close to half of our congregation here is 50 or more, which is awesome. That's a great spread, isn't it? Uh, once you have lived to be about 50 years old, you have been knocked around, kicked around enough that there's been some tests that you have gone through. Is there anyone that's 50 or over that hasn't gone through some testing, some really difficult times, and began to realize that, wow, I really do need to lean on God? No, not a single hand raised. It's like, wow. So after we've lived some life, we definitely come to the point of realizing that, ah, life can get tough. There are some rough things that can happen, like a liver transplant needing to take place. But God's faithful. So when we get to pass the test and have passed the test because we've totally submitted our lives, our will to God, then he can use us. You know, uh, Mario Murillo, it's probably been about 14 years ago or so, 
First time I heard that guy, and he preached a message that just irritated the daylights out of me. Just like, this is the only thing I remember about the message, is him saying, before God can mightily use you, before you're mightily used, you will be deeply bruised. It's like, what good news is that? I want to hear the good news of the gospel. I don't want to hear this deeply bruised stuff. Like, yeah, that doesn't sound like anything that's appealing to me. It's the goodness of God that leads me to repentance. You know, but it's the pressure and it's the trials that I have gone through that end up establishing the character within me that allows me to be walking out the calling that I have for my life. Does that make sense? It's like, oh, got to establish some character to get some legs under me to be able to carry the weight, the burden of the gift that he puts on my shoulders to accomplish his will for my life. Did that make sense? So we have got to go through some junk to wade through some sticky, rough stuff with stickers and mud and, and stuff to end up building the endurance to do and accomplish what he's calling us to. I think, you know, it's like, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I think of uh, a couple of guys like Jackson Allen. Is Jackson's not here. He's sick? Oh. Oh. Well, I think about Jackson Allen and when he first started coming and I started to get close to him and I, I give him some hugs and feels like, man. Whew. And he would pick me up off my feet with a hug and like, about take the breath out of me and, and and like this summer after Ryan and Christy were married, I'm like watching Ryan run around without a shirt and it's like, oh my word. Ryan put a shirt on. In fact, I said that one day and you know, for the first almost year, we stayed on the other side of the fence. We didn't go over there and bother him, but I was over in front of the shop and Ryan's out there running around without a shirt. I said, Ryan, get yourself dressed. <laughs> and he thought I was serious, so he ran and put a shirt on. It was like, oh, it's like, Ryan, Ryan, I'm sorry. I was kidding. I, I was kidding. But, uh, and, and then, like, T.J. Russell, it's like, you put your hands on that kid's shoulders or you give him a hug, and it's like, holy smoke. He's only about this tall, but those things, <laughs> like, whoa. He is one solid, got some pecs. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> oh, I better get a drink. <laughs> She'll be making me wear a jacket every time I preach now. <laughs> Keep your hands out of your pocket and wear a jacket. Uh, I was thinking, you know, those three guys, it's like, Lord, I love you, 
and I want to have muscles like that. It's like, okay, well, do you know how they got those? Man, they go to the gym. I see Ryan leave a little before 7, 6.30 something. I'm, I get up fairly early, I'm drinking coffee, and he's driving to the gym every morning. So, and I saw a video of him doing like 20 pull-ups on a two-before with his hands up. It's like, like, oh my word. You know, when I was working out when I was younger, I did eight one time. I'm telling you. So, and then I watched him do jump up and do 20, holding on to a two before. It's like, oh, go back in your house. <laughs> Get that shirt. Get that shirt. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm telling you, if, if you want to end up building that kind of muscle... You got to work out. It requires a lot of effort. If you want to hear clearly from God, see, I got challenged here this Thursday. It's like, you need to come in, Pastor Lynn, and speak to the VCA, Valley Christian Academy. (laughs) I want you to tell them how you hear from God. It's like, all right. I said, you know what? I showed up and I told Leah, man, that woman is amazing. She's the principal of our school. Incredible. It's like, wow. And uh, I told her, I showed up, I said, man, Leah, I'm more nervous about speaking to these kids for 15 minutes than getting up and talking to our congregation. And, uh, she said, yeah, welcome to the club. I said, oh. So I have these little, little ones, the kindergartens. They go from kindergarten through eighth grade. So it's like, okay, bring a message that'll speak to all of them. It's like, and tell them how you hear from God. It's like, wow, how do you connect with all of those levels? And the really cool part is it's like, entering the kingdom as a small child is the only way. So thank God I was able to relate with them. (laughs) Not so well with the 7th and 8th graders, but I did really good with the kindergartners. So it's like they were mesmerized. It's like, wow. So you guys are quite a bit like kindergartners. (laughs) Uh, Okay, moving on. It's like hearing from God requires... I I was thinking another thought, uh, and I'm going to bring my wife into this thought. We have conversations, a a lot of conversations, and sometimes the other one is listening and sometimes the other one is not. But nonetheless, we're having those conversations. And she was telling me the other day, it's like, I don't feel like we're having enough good conversations. So, I hear you, you know, you can be on the phone talking with this per- this person, this person, this person, and it's like, okay, you're right. All right, yeah, oh, mm. so let's have some conversation. So, you know, um, ADD, ADD, everybody say ADD. I believe, 
I've changed the wording to this more than once. That's additional downloads delivered. <laughs> and then when you put an HD after that, additional downloads delivered, hyper-driven. So extra fast, extra fast. Additional downloads delivered extra fast. So, hyperdrive, hyperdriven. So there was no doubt that I struggled with No, I didn't struggle with it. It's just one of those gifts that requires you, when you have that gift, to corral it and, and focus for a little while at least on one thing which can be a challenge because you already have two or three other things that are happening and going on that you notice. Like when I went to college, I had a really difficult time if somebody wanted to be playing music or something. Now my wife is the extreme opposite. The TV can be going on and there's worship music on the TV. Something is going on her phone. So there's, there is noise and music in three different rooms and what is happening now there's preaching a message up there on the on the TV and she's on her phone on the phone listening to something and I was just like whoa <laughs> too much stimulation for me let's turn at least one of these off and so and here's the thing I can actually have I can be on the phone I can be because of the ADD thing I can have a couple things happening at one time. I can know what's going on in the room and be talking on the phone. I, I, I can, it's completely 100% opposite with her. She is focused on one thing and everything else is blocked out. It's like there's times that I wish that was easy for me to do, but it is just the opposite. It's like shiny object, squirrel. So when we are having conversation I can be talking to her and not realize that she has her phone going and then ask her for a response and it's just, I might get some response that has absolutely nothing to do with what I just said so finally I got to point it's like okay we're gonna have a conversation you're gonna have to end up putting down your phone because, well, I just need to respond to this Facebook and I need to like, and it's just like, but you just told me you wanted more of my attention and you wanted us to talk and now I'm trying and you have other things going on. It's like, it's amazing how God teaches me. And I'm not talking about teaching me patience. I'm talking about teaches me through an example like that. It's like, Lynn, Lynn, you want to hear more clearly? Stop doing anything and everything else and listen to me. The only way that we're going to end up having an effective conversation is for you to put your phone away, put this away, don't look at that. And if you're sitting at your desk in your office, you need to have the junk all put in one pile so you don't look for a second to see that. Oh, like, this makes sense to anybody? It's like there is a whole lot of distraction that's available to all of us. And we are accustomed to so much stimulation in our lives nowadays with, that it is difficult for us to, to rein in, to focus in, and Brent, that was up here last week speaking, yeah, well, that kid was amazing. 
He was talking about prayer being a two-way conversation. We pray, we listen. We pray, we listen. We pray, we listen. If we spend all of our time just expressing our needs, just praying and praying and praying, and thank you, Jesus, for this, and thank you for this, and I'm grateful for, for all of this, and then we just continue praying, and it's like, done, I'm done. It's like, well, when did you listen? It's like, okay, we need to set enough time apart or create enough of a relationship that we're hearing and we're listening and we're recognizing the voice and responding appropriately to the voice because we've recognized it. Does this make sense? It's like, wow, it, it and I am, I am certainly not picking on my wife. He just used that example to me to end up going, yeah, you were a little frustrated and telling you, hey, we'll put your phone down and we'll talk. It's like, I'm saying the same thing to you. Put your phone down and we'll talk. Put your book down. Put your ledger away. Put this all away. Find the place and the time that you can sit and listen because I've got some things that I want to say to you. It's like, man, so much. So I, I, I'm saying, though, um, a whole lot, a number of years, a lot of time spent, a lot of time in the Word. Uh, I hear while I'm, while I'm driving. I hear while I'm, I can do more than one thing at once, but I have to intentionally slow myself down and focus on a communication between he and I where it's a dedicated time. This makes sense to anybody? Probably should make sense to everybody. It's like, you know what? It, it, it really is important that we do that. I get to thinking, you know what? We, hey, we got a good relationship. You know, I'm hearing from you. I'm doing. And sometimes it's, it's just a, a little impulse. It's a tap. It's a, I'm being obedient because you're directing me and stuff. But to end up building further and building better and making stronger the relationship is just like I need to do between my wife and myself. It's like get intentional, sit down, and let's talk and listen to each other. Put everything else aside, and that's where we need to be with God. It's like put it aside, take some time. Again, I'll say, though, this is, this is something that Pastor Matthew, <laughs> there are people that have been accustomed to taking a lot of time to pray about something. And Pastor Matthew and I were having a conversation in, in a truck out in front of the church one day, and, and uh, we pulled in, and I asked him a question. He goes, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about that. I think it was something I wanted him to do. And he said, well, I'll pray about that. And I said, Okay. So I sat there for about 30 seconds, and I said, well, what's the answer? He goes, I, I told you, I'll, I'll pray about it. It's like, well, is this a long-distance call for you? Do you not have a connection? What, 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 doesn't he live inside you? It's like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> 
I, I think there are really big decisions sometimes that we need to make that take some time, that we're not going to get just, a, just an instant answer. But for me, like 90% of the time, it's like I'm listening, I'm asking, I'm listening, and then I'm just doing. I'm, 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 I'm quick to do. I was speaking with a guy just a couple of days ago that I was trying to, trying to help a little bit, and he said, well, here, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a few days to think about this. I said, no, I already told you. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. He said, well, you, you don't need to pray. About it. I already did already did so oh okay okay I was like you know we have that relationship it's, but but my wife and I have been married for 33 years and we have an amazing relationship but sometimes if I neglect that a little bit of spending the special extra time then things are going to slip a little this make sense so we need get intentional with our time, with him. And as we develop the relationship, recognizing his voice, recognizing the nudge, recognizing, you know, that, that's, that's awesome, that's wonderful, but still set aside the time to get with him, hear his voice, study his word, and then just sit and listen. Questions? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. What do you think, Karen? <laughs> We've used one of those scriptures so far, and it wasn't even what I gave you, so I apologize. Let's go to Second uh, Corinthians. Chapter 6, probably 14 through 18. Might change that slightly, but I'm going to go in, uh, once again, I'm going to go in the Passion Translation. Okay, yeah, I can squint. Don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances. For what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? Who could mingle light with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What friendship does God's temple have with demons? Stop right there. I'm going to read that one again. What friendship does God's temple have with demons? Indeed, we are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God. Everybody say, I am the temple of the living God. He lives in me. So I'm going to read some more. Just as God has said, I will make my home in them and walk among them. I will be their God 
and they will be my people. For this reason, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, touching nothing that's unclean, and I will embrace you. For I will be a true father to you, and you will be my beloved sons and daughters, says the Lord, Yahweh Almighty. I will be a true father to you. But he's saying that, you know, in life, we find ourselves sometimes like fading back into situations that we've already come out of. And all I'm going to just give you an, an example. I was listening to a conversation here a while back that uh, some women were actually having. And one of them said, yeah, you know, what's happening at Target? I, I've boycotted Target and I'm boycotting them for a month. It's like a month because of that, you know, the stuff that they're showing, you know what I'm talking about and what they're doing and what they're selling and what they're promoting and just like, oh my goodness. Then I heard her say, but, and, and, and somebody said, a month? Just for a month, what, what, what's a month? And, and, and she said, well, if I want anything cool, I have to go back there. And I was like, oh no. Whoa, did I really hear that right? It's like, okay, I, I don't believe in what they're doing and I'm going to boycott them for a month. But I'm going to go back because that's the only, they have the cool stuff there. It's like, you know, there are so many compromises that we can begin to make in our lives because of the lust of our flesh, because of the things that we just think that we need to have. And it's not really a need, it's a want. Because I want, I'm willing to sacrifice and compromise not sacrifice, I'm, well, yeah, willing to sacrifice in my relationship with the one that I'm supposed to be fully submitted to and committed to do and accomplish his will in my life. But no, I'm willing to compromise because that's the only place I can get the really cool stuff is from Target, not from us. Does this make sense? I think it's getting, getting a little close to home, but it's like we can end up finding ourselves compromising and compromising and compromising and maybe even changing our theology to match our experience because it's something that we want or that we think we need. It's like, well, you know, that probably doesn't apply to today or doesn't necessarily apply to me. So I say, we need to be intentional to end up taking a stand against what we know is wrong standing for what we know is right and it's not about figuring out everything that's wrong it's being about intentional to do what's right intentional to do what's right choose the right thing and God will direct you <laughs> submit 
to God, submit all of your ways to God, and he'll direct your path. He will lead you the right way and get to a place of submission and where you have spent enough time in developing the relationship that you will hear him accurately and you will be convicted by your actions and by your compromises and you will repent, turn from, and go back, go not backward, but go forward to where God's leading you. Does this make sense? Are you with me? Let's let's stand. Father, I'm thankful that you are such a loving, loving, caring father. Like your word says, you will be father to the fatherless. You will be father to each and every one of us. You will guide us. You will direct us. You've given us your Holy Spirit to empower us, that we would be filled with the power, endued with power from on high to do and to accomplish all that you've called us to do. You are our equipper. You are our leader. You are our guide. You are our direction. You are our comforter. You are our healer. And we love you and praise you. And our desire is to be obedient to serve you. And I just pray that let's stick your hands out like you're ready to receive something. Father, I say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And to each one with their hands out, that you would give them exactly what they need to walk through forgiveness, to be those that are standing constantly on higher ground, able to forgive, forgive, forgive. As they have been forgiven, they can forgive. As we have been forgiven, we can forgive. And that you would empower each and every one of us to understand who you've created us to be and give us the power and authority to walk out what you have for us, the purpose that you have for us, and to follow very closely the direction that you're leading us. We give you thanks. We give you praise, Almighty God, for all that you've done and all that you are and all that you're going to do. We bless your name. And in Jesus' name, we ask all of these things as we continually give you our praise. And together we said, amen, amen, amen. If you need prayer for anything, if you need blessings spoken over your life, If you need healing, I'm asking the prayer team to come up. And the altar is open. Thanks so much for being here. God bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you his peace. And it is Social Sunday. There's lunch in the gym.